this morning. Turn with me to the Old Testament book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter number 40. And uh, we have been focusing on our theme for the year, which is magnify. If you're visiting with us today, that's what we want to do. God is a big God. There is uh, nobody bigger than our God. And oftentimes, instead of God being big in our lives, he's very small. We want to make sure that he is being magnified. And then every month, we've been focusing on a different aspect from the scriptures. And so this month, the month of September, we are trying to, with, with God's help, to magnify the Spirit. One of the ladies said to me after the first service this morning, she said, Pastor, she said, there are not many people that preach on the Holy Spirit of God. And I said, you're right. I said, and I have been guilty in the past of not really preaching on the Holy Spirit of God. But listen, when I think of what the Bible teaches, there is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Bible says they are one, but yet they are three. And when you study the Bible, here's what it teaches, is that they are three persons. The Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is a person. And so a couple weeks ago, before Brother Dave came, we started with the ministry of the Spirit. And today, we're going to move on to the strengthening of the Spirit. And uh, a minute ago, I asked you, how many of you have been through storms? And I think almost every hand has been, uh, was raised this morning. And uh, anybody in here feel tired or weary this morning? Uh, worn out, feel like that you've been going uh, about six or eight or ten rounds with the devil. You know, listen, we get very weary in our lives. And you know what God gives us? He gives us his spirit. The spirit to help us. And so this morning, this uh, passage we're going to look at will help us because what happens is, is that we reach the end, listen to me, the end of our, our resources. We reach the end of our resources emotionally. We reach the end of our resources spiritually. We reach the end of our resources physically. And when we get to that place, God gives us his spirit who has the power to revive us and to restore us. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad for the strengthening of the Spirit of God. And that's what we're going to look at here today in Isaiah 40. Now, if you've ever looked at these verses, here's what God is saying by His Spirit, is that He wants us to wait patiently so He can renew our strength. See, what worked for yesterday will not work for today. We need our strength renewed. Look at these verses here in Isaiah 40, beginning in verse number 29. The Bible says, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, He increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall 
run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not what? Faint. See some wonderful verses here, and we this past week, Brother Dave McCracken helped us, and he taught us that the Bible in Hebrews 12 likens the Christian life, it's a metaphor to a what? To a race. And he told us that every one of us that know Christ, we need to run our race. Well, notice there in that verse how the Bible says that he, we need to wait upon him so that he can renew our strength so we can mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. Let's pray this morning. God, help us. I know that many have already commented of how much a struggle it was even to get here this morning, how much they battled this week, all that they've gone through, they've experienced. For some, it's what they've been dealing with every day in their life. And Lord, I pray today that your spirit will renew our strength, that he will help us to run, give us the power to run the Christian race, the life that you've given to us. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. You know, I, I think about this passage, and I think about life itself. <laughs> you know, if you're going to take a trip, and that's what life really is, I'll tell you this, it's, it's not fun to run out of gas. Maybe that's never happened to you before, but it's not a good thing. You know, it's one thing to run out of gas when you take a trip, but it's totally another thing to run out of gas in your life as a Christian. I see it often. People are going through the Christian life, and it just seems like that life has a way of depleting us. Every, everything that we have is gone spiritually, everything emotionally, everything physically. We become exhausted. We become fatigue, we become weary in life, and as we become exhausted and weary, like you see this picture here, <laughs> but as we get that way in life, now listen, as you look at that picture and you think of your life, I want you to think of this, because here's what happens is, when we become weary as Christians, it's during those times that we oftentimes make very bad decisions. I've seen many Christians, when they get weary, they decide to quit reading their Bible. They decide to quit praying. They decide to quit attending church. All the things that God has intended for us, all because we became weary, were depleted and we start making bad decisions. And when we're weary in life, here's what happens. Is that everything, it seems, in life, we view it negatively. And it's this negativity that has a profound impact, not only on your life, but on the lives of all those around you. A lot of times we get this way, it, it, the weariness causes us sometimes to even question 
the most foundational and important things that we have in our hearts that God has helped us with over the years. When we're depleted, life oftentimes feels overwhelming. Like we've gone under, that everything in life bothers us. Can I just help you with something this morning, a reminder really? That before it happened in your life or before it will happen in your life, God already knew that it was going to happen. Just think about that for a minute. God knew we would face trying times. And God also knows that you and I are going to need and require more strength than we possess physically, humanly. See, we can only do so much. The longer I live every day, I'm reminded I'm just getting weaker and weaker and weaker. Now, that just doesn't equate in the physical sense. I've even found, like others in the Bible, where Paul commented that when I am weak, then he is strong. You see, spiritually, we get to the place where we become depleted. And we're wondering how we're going to make it. And I love this in Isaiah 40, how God promises. He promises. And listen, this is God promising. He promises to renew our strength. But here's the key. If we will wait on him. Now, waiting is something I don't enjoy. I don't like lines. I hate the stoplights here in this area. I struggle with waiting. But he says, if you would wait on me, I will renew your strength. Now, you may have it there in your outline, and I want you to see this word wait, because it may not be exactly what you and I think it to be. Look at the full meaning of it. it here's what the Word of God is teaching. To wait means to bind together in patience. To bind together in patience. God is saying to us to wait patiently on Him. What is He saying? He's saying, I want you, my children, to bind yourselves together with me, to depend on me, to patiently wait until... I renew your strength. Do you get it this morning? This is what he promises to us, that when we are weary, what do we do? Instead of making bad decisions, we need to wait on him. We need to depend on him. We need to trust him during those times, bind ourselves together with him so that he can renew our strength. This is what he promises to us. And I want you to see with me this morning five things that the Bible shows us that God by His Spirit helps us with that will renew our strength. Now, you might not be weary this morning, but if you're like me, chances are you might be tomorrow. You might be next week or next year. And so notice the first thing the Spirit does is he leads and he guides. Now think about this. We're talking about the Spirit, which is God, leading us and guiding us. A couple of years ago, we took a trip to the Holy Land, and 
We had a great time. There's some in here this morning that took that journey with us. And I, I always heard, and I know it now to be true, that they always said to me that what really makes the trip is if you have a good guide. They said if you, if you get someone that, that, that is your guide, but they don't know the, the area, they don't know the lay of the land, they don't know the backdrop behind maybe a, a site that you would go to or something that happened there or what brought this about or whatever it may be, if you don't have someone that's a good guide, you're not going to have a good experience. Well, when we went, God bless, we had a really good guide. As a matter of fact, I, I, I think of him often and I think about what an encouragement he was and how well he guided us and how well he led us. Can I just say to you this morning that maybe you've gone on something like that where you've had somebody that, that guided you through maybe a, a tour to a building or tour to a facility. But listen, there is no better guide in life than God's Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit of God, he wants to lead and guide in our lives. Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Simple question this morning. Is the Spirit leading you this morning? Is He guiding you this morning? Because notice, without Him, we are easily deceived. You and I, because of our human nature, we are easily deceived without the Holy Spirit of God. Most people that I come across in life, they are being led not by the Spirit... They're being led by their emotions and by their feelings. Wow, I see people so, so emotional. Everything is based on their feelings. But look, when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, we receive a new internal leader or guide in our lives. The Holy Spirit will help us with our emotions and he will help us to follow God's leading. Look at Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all thine might, uh, thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. God says, look, don't trust your emotions. Don't trust what you're feeling. Look, feelings come and go, but facts are always the same. The truth never changes. People, even when it comes to churches sometimes, you know, they're looking for a church that's going to make them feel good. Can I tell you, if you go to a Bible-believing church, chances are you're going to hear a message from the Word of God that hopefully is delivered in the right spirit of love, but it's not going to make you feel good. It's going to make you realize who you are according to God's Holy Word. You see, oftentimes Christianity is not a feel-good experience. But see, I want to be led by the Spirit a weary Christian can be deceived by his or her own perception. Oftentimes, how we look at things. Folks, look, as a Christian, we must allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us during times of weakness because when we follow his leading, here's what happens. The Holy Spirit gives us safety. But when we oftentimes follow ourselves, we do what we want, many times the end result is disaster. So see, as, as he wants to lead us, as he wants to guide us, 
Without him, we are easily deceived. But notice, with him, we are safely led. He will lead us in the way that we should go. I find in my life, and this is so true, that when the Holy Spirit of God is leading the way, here's what happens. My life is much more stable. But when I'm trying to lead my life, my life many times is chaotic. The Holy Spirit brings stability. When the storms of life rage in my heart, what anchors me, what helps me during those storms is God's Holy Spirit. I find that as the Spirit is leading, even in a storm, there's no reason to worry. Anxiety can take a vacation. Look, even before, and I can remember, I've been saved now for 36 years. Before I got saved, before I came to know the Lord as my Savior, I did not have, and if you're here today and you're not saved, before you get uh, saved, we do not have the Holy Spirit of God. We do not have this internal leader. The Holy Spirit wants to be the navigator in your life, but without the Lord, you have not the Spirit. But we find that after we are saved, instead of going through life blind, flying uh, blind in life, flying without hope, understand that after we are saved, we now have a navigator that doesn't want to just be with us here and there, one day this day and not one day that day. God, by His Spirit, wants to guide you every day. He wants to help you every day. And He understands. Look, I I love this because He is God. He understands our journey. He understands our race from start to finish. He understands the hazards and some of the difficulties that you and I will face. And here, I love this, because He is God, He has an open line of communication with the captain of our soul. You see, the Holy Spirit, God has given to us, and what, what, what must we do? Listen, here it is. Listen to His voice. Trust Him. Let Him lead you. Let Him guide you, especially when you're weary. You see, not only does God give us His Spirit to lead us and guide us, but notice the Spirit assures us. Now, one thing I found, even in my own life, but most people that I come across, I believe that every person struggles with some amount of of insecurity. Many people are very insecure in their lives. They struggle with, with having acceptance. I think that's human nature. We want to feel accepted. We want affirmation in our lives. Many times we go to great lengths to to find a place to fit in in society, to fit in with our friends, to fit in even at church. It's human nature that we're looking for assurance. But look, I love this. God gives His Spirit who provides assurance for us. Well, how does He do that? Notice, He assures us of God's unconditional love. You know, when you, when you think of yourself, I think of myself, here's, here's the Bible truth. None of us measure up. We all fall short. There's none good. There's none righteous. No, not one. So as, as we think about this, our hearts many times, what we want to know is, does God really love me? Is God really on my side? Does God care about me? Look, I know all of us, myself included at times, we, we have all had this thought because we're going through something, because we're weary about something, 
we ask ourselves many times, does God really love me? And the answer to that is yes. God does love you. Matter of fact, he loved you before you ever loved him. See, his love is unconditional. He, he loves us in spite of us. You know what that is for somebody to love someone in spite of the fact that they know everything about them? That's called true love. Here's a verse that always gets me, Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet, what? Sinners, what happened? Christ died for us. Does that amaze you? That even though God knew everything about you, that he still loves you. God still loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And listen, folks, I'm not, I'm not giving you my opinion this morning. God, by his spirit, assures us of unconditional love. But not only does he assure us of unconditional love, look at this, he assures us of complete acceptance. See, many times we want to know where we stand with somebody. You know, you ever said this to somebody, so where are we at? You ever said something like this, are we good? Right? Can I tell you, you you're never going to have to worry about where you stand with God. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad for that verse? So you never have to worry where you stand with God. Why? You look, you don't have to look for assurance. Why? Because God's Spirit, He assures us of complete acceptance. He reminds us that God is working all things, not some things, together for what? For good. He's working all things. That's what the Bible says. Look in Ephesians 1, 6. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He, God, hath made us, what's that word? God's made us what? Accepted. You don't have to worry. The Holy Spirit, He assures us that we are accepted with God. Romans 8, 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. It's always funny when, when couples have children. The, the one thing that always becomes the source of whatever you want to call it, is, is the baby going to say mama first or what? Now, the husband always says, he just, he just said, he just said dad. You know, and the wife's always like, he didn't, he was just spitting up food. That's all he was doing. But you know, this is a neat word here, Abba, father. The Spirit of God helps us to cry out to our Father. You know why? Because you have the Spirit of God. You are one of God's children. And when you cry out to your Father, guess what? He hears you. The Spirit helps us with complete acceptance. That Look, it is true that 
none of us are perfect and that none of us have earned, there's nothing we can do to earn his love. And all of us at times will fail him. But as a faithful father, understand this morning that God accepts you as his own. You are his child and he assures that that we are his delight. Why? Because his spirit resides in us and his spirit provides us with that assurance. We never have to worry about how do, how do I stand? Where do I stand with God? You are loved by God. You are accepted by God. See, the Holy Spirit of God assures us. But notice thirdly, the Holy Spirit comforts us. In the Bible, one of the groups of people that I always enjoy doing character studies on is the apostles. And if you, if you remember when, when God, and the Bible says in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son into this world. And so Jesus came, and we celebrate that on Christmas. Christmas is not about presents and the tree and the lights and whatever. Christmas is about the Son of God came so that we can have eternal life. That's what Christmas is all about. And so Jesus came to this earth, and he lived on this earth, and the Bible tells us very little of his childhood, but he, the Bible does say he was subject unto his parents. And, uh, and, and Jesus, when he was 12 years old, he was found in the temple. As he was in the temple, he was not only listening to the religious gas bags of the day, but he was asking them questions too. And as a matter of fact, so much so that he, he amazed them, he confounded them. They, they thought to themselves, how can this 12-year-old boy know as much or more than we know? Well, they didn't realize that. He was God in the flesh. He's the one that wrote the book. <laughs> and he knows all the answers. And so from the age of 12, the Bible doesn't really say a whole lot for about 18 years. We oftentimes call that the 18 years of silence. We do know that Jesus, no doubt, was a model son and a citizen where he lived, that he never did anything wrong. The Bible tells us that there was no sin in him. But when Jesus was 30, the ministry of John the Baptist was coming to an end. And John the Baptist, the Bible identifies, he was the forerunner of Christ. John came so that he could prepare the way, or in other words, prepare the hearts of people for the coming of the Lord. So John was telling people to repent. He was pointing people to Jesus. As a matter of fact, he said... He must increase and I must decrease. John understood his role. John came and he realized that it was time for him to step aside. And as John then took his step away, the ministry of Jesus then began. About the age of 30, Jesus called 12 men to be his disciples. Such a ragtag group of individuals. I can easily identify with them. But Jesus began to spend time with these 12. That included Judas. By the way, Jesus knew all along he, was, he would betray him. But Jesus spent time with them and, and, and things were good. I mean, can you imagine being physically with Jesus, the Son of God, day in and day out for three, three and a half years. Can you imagine that? 
the things they must have saw, the miracles that he performed, the lives that he changed. And then all of a sudden, one day, Jesus begins to tell them, I'm leaving. Can you imagine? It's time for me to go. I would have struggled. I would have said, Lord, please don't go. But you know what? They were just like me. They tried their best. Lord, no, don't go. You see, when Jesus was with them, when God was with them, it just seemed like every day things were good. They had a real confidence in their lives. Why? Because he was with them. But now, here they are. They're now dealing with mental and emotional confusion. God, why? Why would you leave us? And Jesus assures them. Listen, he assures them that, yes, I'm leaving. But I'm not going to leave you comfortless. Look at the Bible says in John 14. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you for how long? How long? How many of you know Christ is your Savior this morning? Do you have the Holy Spirit? How long is he with you? How long? Do you believe that? That's what the Bible says. The Spirit of God, God, is with you forever. He says, I'm not going to leave you alone. Now today, Jesus, the Son of God, is at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says there is one mediator between God and man, and that's the man, Christ Jesus. Sorry, it's not Mary. Jesus. But the Bible says that Jesus told them, I'm going away. And notice he says, I'm going to give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. And then he says that this comforter is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him because ye know him, excuse me, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and he shall be where? He shall be where? In you. Where's the Holy Spirit today? He's in you. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Jesus says, look, you don't have to be weary. I know you like it when I'm here. And even though I'm leaving, I'm going to send another one just like me who will be with you for how long? Forever. Then notice in chapter 16 of John, look what Jesus then says there. He says, but because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Now he told them, I'm going to send a comforter, and here they are, humanly speaking, they have sorrow in their heart. Jesus said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. Now let me stop and say this. The word expedient, here's what it means. It's in your best interest. 
this is the best thing that can happen for you. Is that even though I'm going away, he says, I will send. Notice, if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So I want you to see here how the Spirit comforts. Notice he comforts, his comfort released them from their fears. They had sorrow in their hearts. Maybe today you have something going on in your heart today, something in your life today, and and there's a fear, there's a sorrow, there's a weariness that is there. Can I tell you, just like Jesus told his disciples that the Spirit is in you, that the Spirit is for you, that the Spirit is on your side, that the Spirit is giving you hope. See, God says, look, I will give you my Spirit to console you through some of the tough times of the journey called the Christian life. Jesus said in John 14, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Do you know this? Listen, God knew, God knew being a Christian would be hard. God knew that. That's why he gave us his spirit. You know, God never promised that that everything in life as a Christian would be easy. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust, but we as Christians, we can survive the hardness with what Shannon sang about this morning, with God's amazing grace. We can survive the hardness with purpose as a Christian. We can survive hardness with joy in our lives. Look what the Bible says. It says, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. God can help us to release us from the fears. But notice the Spirit also comforts us because He rescues us from our sorrows. Now, there are a lot of people in this world today that still need Christ as their Savior. There may be some here this morning. You've never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, as we've already read here, to the unsaved, sorrow is a hopeless and an overwhelming experience overwhelming. But those of us that have the Holy Spirit of God, listen, sorrow is but for a moment. Sorrow is for just a while. And we need to understand that God by His Spirit can give us hope. Christians sorrow, yes, with hope. Unbelievers sorrow without hope in life. Look what the Bible says as Paul wrote to those in Thessalonica. He said, I would not have you to be ignorant brethren, concerning them which are asleep. And the word asleep there means those who have already died in this life. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant about this. I want you to understand concerning them which are asleep that ye sorrow not, listen, ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. I've seen many Christians that have faced challenges and hardships, some in this auditorium. And it's evident sometimes, and I've had this in my own life, where family members and friends who may not know Christ as their Savior, they try to help you. They try to console you. They try to comfort you. You ever had somebody who they they say something to you, they're, they're words, but you know that what they said, they really don't care or their words really don't bring comfort. Ever had somebody like that? 
a lot of us have. Now, I don't think necessarily they, they, they mean you know, bad by it, but oftentimes you can tell they're just saying it. And I've had unsaved people, the Bible calls them natural people that are not saved, have, that have not the Spirit. And, and they, here's what they do. They try to understand. But see, an unsaved person can never understand. Like we that have the Spirit. And the Spirit can rescue us from the sorrow that is in our lives. Remember the book of Job? How Job went, went through everything that he went through. I mean, I, I don't know if most of us in life uh, hopefully will never, will never go through what Job went through. But with all that Job had experienced, remember as Job's friends came to him? Remember how they began to try to comfort him? They began to try to help him in his time of need. And, and it, Job certainly was overwhelmed with sorrow. But no matter who it was or what they said, none of it brought comfort. <laughs> Look at this verse in Job 16, 2. I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are ye all. <laughs> Job said, not one of you, not one of your words helped me, brought comfort in my life. Every last one of them. The psalmist in Psalm 69 experienced the same thing. Look at, the, look at what it says in verse 20. Reproach hath broken mine heart, and I am full of heaviness. And I look for some to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, and I found none. I've had people that have asked me, and, and I've found myself also trying to do the same thing. Sometimes we'll have family members or church members or friends that find themselves at a very difficult time going through something, maybe even at the point of death. And it's, it's very difficult because when we go to people during times like this, we think we have to do something. People have asked me, Pastor, what do I do? I mean, I, I, when I go, I want to do something. And I'll say to them, you know, you know what you just need to do? You just need to be there. You just need to sit by their side. You just, your presence, without saying anything, brings comfort helps during difficult times. And when I think about the Holy Spirit of God, listen, so many times we look around, we're looking for comfort. We want relief. There are people in life, even Christians, that they, they'll turn to drugs, they'll turn to alcohol, they'll turn to this, they'll turn to that, but none of those can fill that void. That God's Spirit can. You see, the Spirit can release us from this prison. The Spirit can re rescue us and comfort us. The Spirit is always eager to heal our hearts and to lead us through these difficult times. And the Bible says what we need to do is cast our cares upon Him because He careth for you.
Actually, nobody. Job, Job understood that. Nobody cares for me like Jesus. God's Spirit, it comforts us. It helps us with fear and with sorrow. But then notice also the Spirit gives patience and hope. The Spirit of God gives patience and hope. See, notice we abound in hope. Well, how do we do that? Through the Holy Spirit. Look at the Bible says in Romans 15. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope. How? Through the power of the Holy Ghost. You see, the Spirit is the one that gives us the ability to see by faith. Remember, remember Brother McCracken talked about Hebrews chapter 11, the, the great hall of fame of faith, and how those people that you see those two words over and over and over again in Hebrews 11, by faith, by faith. Well, what is he talking about there? He's talking about how God, by His Spirit, gave them and gives us the ability to see by faith the good hand of God in our lives as we go through some difficult times. God promises hope. Notice Romans chapter 5, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. See, God says, look, I have given you my spirit to give you patience, and to give you hope. See, look, not only do we abound in hope through the Holy Spirit, but notice we endure with patience. Now, Brother Dave did a great job of painting that picture, and a lot of people were like, wow, I never realized that the race, anybody remember what the word was for race? Agona, right? The agony. People say, man, I don't want to run that kind of race. Brother Dave was talking about his running while he was here, you know, about his marathon that he run. Listen, I've run a really good marathon in my mind. That's the closest I'll ever come. But here's the thing, that as I look at the Spirit of God, the Bible says that we should endure with patience. Now, the word patience, look at this, it's the divinely, that's by God, Divinely imparted ability to endure the trial. I know what you're thinking right now. You're just like me. You've tried to make it on your own. You've tried to get through this situation. You've tried to get around these circumstances. And guess what? You're probably just like me. You probably failed miserably. You probably got weary. You probably were struggling because you were trying to do it without the divine ability to endure the trial, which is by the Holy Spirit of God. See, he says, run with patience, endure with patience. It's, this is not something that you and I can work up in and of ourselves. Notice what the Bible says in Colossians 1.11, strengthen with all might according to his glorious power and unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. I love this little quote. You ought to remember this. 
Faith cannot be developed in comfortable surroundings. The disciples discovered that many times. Jesus said to them, he didn't say to them, you have no faith. He said, oh, ye of little faith. They asked him, they said, Lord, increase our faith. But see, many times the, the trials, the difficulties in life, God brings them, watch this, so instead of you and I trying to, by our own human strength and abilities to get through it, we depend on His Spirit. We rely on the Spirit to give us the ability to endure the trial. God doesn't, uh, doesn't bring these things to hurt us and to harm us. As a matter of fact, God does something very special in our lives during the difficulties. God is, is always working every trial. There's, there's a hopeful outcome. Every hardship that you go through in life as a Christian, the, the outcome of that, we can see the good hand of God working something for our good. God says, look, I've given you my spirit to lead you and guide you. I've given you my spirit to assure you, to comfort you, to, to help you with patience and hope. But notice as we go back to Hebrews 40 and verse 29, notice the spirit also renews our strength. Look at these verses again. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. Do you see that word youths? It doesn't say old people. Isn't that amazing? Look at the rest of the verse. And the young men shall utterly fall. It doesn't say old men, it says young men. Look at verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord. Got to underline those words. Wait upon the Lord. Well, if you wait upon the Lord, notice, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Now, I'm not a runner. I told you that last week. I've not studied running. It's almost against my religion. But I have heard runners talk about something that I've always found to be interesting. And this is what they call it. This isn't my words. This is what they call it. They call it the second wind. I got my second wind. I always find that to be interesting. But I've seen a few runners where it seems like they're just about at the end of their race. Now, they're not at the finish line. But they've run as far as humanly they can run in their own strength. And you can tell by looking at them, they're ready to collapse. And then something happens. And, and they, they, they catch their second wind. All of a sudden, they start running again. They start running like they were running at the beginning of the race. And when I, when I think of that, I think of the Christian life in this matter of God's Holy Spirit. Because the second win for an athlete is that an athlete is able to perform beyond his expected ability. But in the Christian life, 
when you and I are weary, God's Holy Spirit, listen to me, I hope you're getting this this morning, the Spirit of God enables us to live with a power beyond our own. It's supernatural. It's not natural, it's supernatural. God gives us, He gives us by His Spirit, the ability to live beyond our power. When we're weary, God promises His Spirit will renew us. Notice Ephesians 3.16, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. See, I've been like this guy on this slide up here. I've been just like that guy many times. I can't take another step. I can't run another quarter mile. I can't make it. But by His Spirit, the Bible says, we can be strengthened with might in the inner man. Paul said to those in Corinth, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. How often? People said to me, man, I really thought Brother McCracken, if he kept doing what he was doing, I thought he was going to have a heart attack. And then when he, you know, because I do this sometimes, when we have people in and, you know, I don't want to be impolite and ask them what their age is. But then when they start talking about things and they give dates or whatever, I start, I'm doing the math. I know I shouldn't do that while the preaching's going on, but that's what I do. And I'm like, he's nine years older than me. And he's up there jumping around. And he doesn't know how to pronounce Romans. And I'm thinking to myself, how is he up there? I mean, I felt sorry for Brother Miguel or RJ trying to follow him with the camera, you know? He ran his race while he was up here. You know how he did it? Because he was renewed in his inner man. See, although his outward man is perishing, his inward man is renewed day by day. Well, how does that happen? By the Holy Spirit. Look, we might be getting older physically. Our outward man might be perishing. But the Spirit of God is what keeps us young, which gives us life. He's pr he provides the strength for us to endure, to carry on. When we're, when we're weary, listen, we've talked about this, the Holy Spirit is the paraclete. What does He do? When we're, when we're about to quit, He runs alongside of us. You know, really, spiritually speaking, and I'm not trying to spiritualize this, it's like the Holy Spirit really is our second wind as a Christian. He helps us make it to the finish line. I'm glad that the Spirit renews my strength. You know, listen, today, what you needed yesterday isn't sufficient for today. But God, by His Spirit, wants to renew your strength today. And watch this. And then... He will renew your strength tomorrow and the next day 
in the next one. You see, you and I, we've been doing this all wrong because we've been trying to do it in our own strength. But God says, I've given you my spirit so that you can be strengthened, that you can run your race. The question this morning is, will you let God's spirit lead you, guide you, assure you, comfort you, give you patience, give you hope, and renew your strength? Would you stand with me to your feet this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? I'm going to ask if everyone would just be still for just a moment with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. The psalmist said these words, and I want you to listen to them. Here's what the psalmist said. He said, my flesh and my heart faileth. He said, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. How are you today, Christian? Feeling a little worn out? A little fatigued? Have some sorrow in your heart? Maybe some fear? God's given you His Spirit to strengthen you. You can't make it without His Spirit. To have the power of God available and not do anything with it is like to walk into a house that's dark and not turn on the light switch. Why don't you come this morning, Christian, and say, I need the Spirit of God. I'm worn out. I'm tired of trying to do things my way. And God, I need your strength today. Why don't you come this morning Spend some time with the Lord, Christian. Maybe come with a brother or sister in Christ. Maybe come with your husband, your wife. Maybe bring your family. What a great time for us to say, listen, we cannot, I cannot do this in and of myself. I need the Spirit of God to strengthen me. If you need to be saved today, you don't know Christ as your Savior, why don't you come today and put your faith and trust in the Lord? That's where the Christian race, the Christian life begins. And when you accept Christ, guess what you get? You get the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is what the message has been all about today. I need the strength that only God's Spirit can give to me. Why don't you come? Many have already. If you have a need this morning, why don't you come?